Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I am your host, Brett McGrath, B2B marketer, sport card collector, and investor, professional wrestling fan. Let's go. There is so much to talk about. I'm coming off the heels of the Dallas Card Show, and I have so much on my mind, as a matter of fact. I have a lot to talk about, and that's what this show is going to be about. The show primarily is going to be focused on my thoughts, uh, my observations, and just takeaways from what I observed over the course of the last few days. Um, and I got to tell you, like, this is just a jolt of energy for me. I am thrilled. I'm recording this a day later than normal. It is Sunday. I'm back home again in Indiana. Yes, that is a reference to the Indianapolis 500, which is this week, which is a big deal here. When I got home, saw the banners, racing capital of the world, and that is damn right. Indy 500, baby, get revved up. Ladies and gentlemen, start those engines. And I'm feeling that right now. I'm feeling that energy after coming back from Dallas. So what we're going to do on this episode is just get into it. We're going to talk about everything that I saw, what went down. Um, and I think this is going to be cool. I'm really pumped about this. I asked on my Instagram story yesterday, because I knew this episode was going to be dedicated to Dallas. I said, hey, if you got any questions about what happened in Dallas, I'll address those on the show. I was overwhelmed by the volume of questions, so we're going to get to those at the end, and I'm going to try to get to everybody. The one big thing that I just want to say out of the gates, off the top, as I hunkered down and started looking at my Instagram post-show, is that there is just this uh, general sentiment in the hobby in that people make statements about things, like the Dallas show was X. And this is what was happening or, you know, this is what we're hearing. So this means everyone, this is what happened. And I think that's wrong. And I think that's wrong. And it's hard from, and I'm going to tell you right now as I'm recording this, I'm going to give you my observations, firsthand accounts from things that I saw go down. That by no means means that's what happened as a macro at the show. That is a trap we fall down in the hobby so often. Platform says something, everyone else believes that that means it, and it's very general. I think we need to step out of being general with topics, with takes, with all this bullshit. It's, it's what grinds my gears the most about the hobby. It, it, is, it is all one-to-one. -one. It is personalized. It is, there's an opinion there is data that backs these opinions, and there is by no means no one 24 hours later from the hobby can cast or who went to the show can cast a general statement and say, this is what the theme of the show is. This is what the show is all about. I think that's wrong. That's bad operating. That in order to do that, you really have to get in the weeds, go from table to table, spend time studying consumer behaviors have a track of all of the deals that went down, and nobody has that. Nobody does. So don't go believe 
what someone says as the truth from the Dallas Card Show because there's no way they have all of the data. There's no way they, they can have an opinion. I've got a, an opinion. I'm going to bring that opinion today. But by no means, I'm prefacing what I'm about to say and saying, this is my firsthand account. This does not represent everything that happened in the hobby or at the Dallas Card Show. That's something we can do better at in the hobby. So the objective of this show really is to share my experiences of what it's like to be at a big card show and the time spent with people. I think so much of this show is dedicated to how we communicate, how we all have self-interest, but don't let that define us, and how we gather information, how we build relationships, how we buy, sell, trade. And there's no better place to unpack and talk about all of these things than from the context of a card show. So just out of the gates, right off the top, my point of view is that so much about being back in the hobby that has excited me is the meeting of people with similar passions. That's why I'm hooked. That is why I love this so much. Yes, I'm a collector at heart. And yes, I love ownership of pieces. But just as much, I love to connect with people who share in pa the passion that can be the passion of being a collector of sports cards. It can be a passion of you're an Indianapolis Colts fan, so am I. It can be a passion of, oh, I collect uh, galactic, so do you. So we can talk about that. And I think like that addiction to being around people who love what you love is super powerful. And so at the end of the day, when you're at the, a card show and there's people that you've met online, you're meeting in person for the first time, it's like the power is, it, it, it's, it transcends the hobby. I met so many people that I've spent the last year messaging, interacting with on Instagram and meet them in real, in real life. And it's awesome. I've got so much more to share on that, but like I'm getting energy thinking about that right now and just those connections. And it's just a, a, an encouragement to anyone out li listening, whenever you feel comfortable, like try to make it to a card show, try to meet some people that you DM every day because it is, it, it will light the flame. It'll get you going. It, it, I feel more energy than ever. Um, and I think that's exciting. And I think if you want to find ways to take your excitement to the next level, um, you, you got to go to a show and you got to meet people. I, I, th I just, that's what I got. to It just incredible. The volume of conversations that I had, the volume of people coming up to me and saying, you know, Hey Brett, like I, I appreciate what you're doing with stacking slabs. Like that means a lot. Like it meant a lot to me just walking and have being stopped by people. And it's, I don't do this show because I want to be hobby famous, like at all. I do the show because I like to create content. I love the hobby and I love sharing my opinion. There are so many people out there that don't give a shit about the hobby and just want to be hobby famous. And I saw those people in Dallas and it's sad. We're going to talk more about that. But what I will say on a lighter note, the people that came up to me with genuine passion and appreciation for what I do, like I've got nothing but time and got nothing but love for that. 
got people stopping me, showing me their cards, and just it is just so cool. So that just in and of itself was worth the price of whatever I spent. Get it flying my ass out there, the hotel rooms, the cards, whatever. Like that meant a lot. So I'm gonna break this down in this episode observations, experience, feedback. We're going to get into those things from the Dallas Card Show. But before we do, you know I got to plug the Weekly Rip. If you're not subscribing to the Weekly Rip newsletter, it comes out every Friday. All you have to do is hit the link in my bio. Just hit the link, drop in your email. You'll get the newsletter each and every Friday. Last week, I talked about Sabrina. Sabrina, she's just making it happen. And I did see some uh, of her cards and cases at the show. I saw an auto raw from Prism at 600 bucks. I shouldn't do that. And I didn't do that. But I wanted to think about it. it, The thing that held me back is the sticker autos. I just couldn't bring myself to it. A lot of hype around her. I think her her connection with the Bryant family, her on-the-court play, I mean, she's the total freaking package, like, She's got me interested in WNBA basketball, and I can't say that that has been something that I've been interested in the past. I talked about the Hall of Fame speculation. Just the, You see these cards, the mainstream cards go down, but the rare stuff go up, the more insights and information in the newsletter. And obviously, I, I spent some time plugging my man Jeremy with Sports Cards Live. Hope you all enjoyed that episode. I did get some great feedback on that one. Jeremy's a great guy. Great participant in the hobby. I really enjoyed that conversation. If you're not already, go to Sports Cards Live. Go to the YouTube page. Smash that subscribe button. We had a scene, and the scene that one of the things that I'll remember is we had a group, and we, on Saturday night, we got together for some barbecue in Texas, baby. Yeehaw. We got some barbecue. We were all sharing stories around a table, talking, um, having a good time. And, you know, in the background, you had the Warriors and Grizzlies game going on. And they were trying to kick our ass out, but we stayed and we were watching it. And I think it was exciting. It's an overtime basketball game to make it to the playoffs. To me watching that game around people who love sports and love cards and just the excitement and energy. And obviously I, I was pulling for the warriors, right? I'm a Steph guy, but you know, not the best supporting cast injuries. I think the warriors will be back. Steph definitely had a hell of a year, but it was a coming out party in a way for the young John Morant, who the hobby loves and has a lot of backing. And I know his cards have, you know, dipped a little bit, but now it'll be interesting. We've got the playoffs coming back. We've got the playoffs are happening. Excuse me. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the market responds to cards of players like John Morant. I know I'll be watching. You've got guys like Michael Porter Jr., who people are like, I literally, before I jumped on here, I was looking, his NTRPA just sold for an all-time high, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of confidence in these young players. Trey Young's obviously going to be another one. So it'll be interesting now that they're active and now that they're in the playoffs after you know the past year of talking about these guys, what the, how they end up playing and what their cards end up doing. One thing I just want to just say out of the gates is 
I put this out there is just consistency and patience in the hobby are the two super are two super forces. Always be helpful, treat people well, and add value to the community every day. Accept that it's a marathon. Putting in the the work isn't easy, but it's rewarding. Celebrate your mindfulness around this. I think it is so important in the people that I met at the Dallas Card Show, I'd see their cards. And these aren't just vendors. These are people walking the show floor, making connections with, and them showing me their PC. Years in the hobby and just grails galore. Like grails galore uh, don't just happen overnight. It's work. It is a process. And so the, the thought mentality and idea that you can just come into the hobby and get rich overnight and make a quick buck, it's, there's, it, that's, that doesn't happen. That that that's not how, that's not how it works as a whole. The people that have the good banger cards that you see on Golden are people that typically are in the hobby for several years, putting in the work, grinding. These people aren't flashing Bugattis. These people are just normal guys and gals, but they're just love for the hobby and love for for what we, what we're a part of, like that takes them in that they have process and they have ideas and they have parameters. And I just think that was an important takeaway is just like, these people are consistent with their activity because they love the hobby. And so I think if you're listening to my show, like know that this show is about those people. This is about getting to that level where you have a freaking case full of cards that you absolutely adore and know, like, I'm never going to say like, you can do X or you can do Y and get there overnight because that's not the case. So much of our hobby is about this quick uh, transactional mindset, and that's just not how we should be thinking and operating. And I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm here to tell you that it's like anything in life. It takes work. It takes letting go of things you love. It It's a process. So that's one of my big takeaways. And at the end of the day, it takes consistency. I think it's it very, very important to to celebrate consistency and patience. I th- I saw both sides of it. Um, I think being consistent and patient is is coming from a place of abundance and giving yourself options. Being transactional short term is like being on tilt. I think I felt anxiety from people that felt like they needed to move stuff right now. As I'm talking to people and, you know, I do sales and marketing for a living, like go to market, sales and marketing. So I'm, I approach each and every one of these conversations where I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to ask questions. So first I can understand the person behind the table and their position. Like I'm going to your table and I'm not, yes, there might be some cards I want, but before I even ask a price or get know anything about the cards or what they're looking for like I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to do discovery on the vendors because I want to understand what their position is, what they're trying to do. So it's small talk, right? Taking time to talk to people, you'll learn a lot. And when you learn a lot, you'll gather information. And that information you can leverage to your advantage when you're trying to make a deal on a sports card. I certainly met some people that had cards that I lost. I lost the cards on eBay and saw them in cases. 
and found those people that won those cards on Instagram afterwards and then saw that they were vendors. I know that there are cards that I lost because I checked the pop <laughs> reports. It's pretty evident. There's not many. Um, and I talked to those people. And, you know, those people specifically, I couldn't get them to budge. But, you know, I, I t- would tell individuals like, hey, if you're ever going budging off that price, like, here's my information. You got it. I'm stacking slabs. Like, let me know. I even told someone at the show that I am the only person at this show that's going to buy this card. And you have an opportunity to sell it if you want to get out of it before the season, but I'm not paying that price. So I am having, and because I don't go to the show, I'm not going to the show saying, I have to get these cards here. I go to the show to gather information, meet people, and plant the seeds because so often what can happen are deals can get done after the show. But the, if you go in with the mindset of putting in the work, building the relationships, planting the seeds, and telling them there's no chance in hell I'm paying that price, you're out of your fucking mind. But I do have a price, and here it is. And I know that you might not believe in this. You might believe in this player, but still you're trying to make money and there's some risk associated with you owning this card. So just hit me up. Get, get at me. Get at me. You know my price. So I think that's something that I learned. And, and that's something that I took with me at the show. And I think it's funny, like the people that are doing it the right way, I, the right way to me are the people that are, they have, they're, they're not like, they're not going to the show and they need the cash to like make it to the next show. It's, they come from a place of abundance. They've got a process. They've, they, they, it's how I do the hobby where I don't like, I don't put my house, I don't put being able to do whatever I want in my life. Like I don't put that up against sports cards. They're two separate things. Like I live my life and I've got disposable income that are in cards. My whole life isn't like, and I understand and I, this is not knocking people to do. I know people do that because they're business owners, they're LCS owners, whatever. Like it's, that's different. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about people that risk, that put themselves at risk where they're relying on tr- specific cards to move at those shows. And you feel the anxiety around that. You feel it and being on tilt. And I just, that was a big observation for me. It's like, Vendors who come from a place of abundance, vendors who are a little on tilt. I think like the the idea of making a quick buck on stuff in the hobby is slowly deteriorating. I mean, the junk slab era, you know, everyone grading cards, everyone selling those cards, then PSA shutting off the valve, retail, Target saying no more. Like those opportunities to make a quick buck are slowly deteriorating, which I think is a good thing. I think going, taking a step back and if, if more people said, this is a long game, yes, we all want to make money, but it doesn't happen overnight. It will help make our hobby more sustainable. So like just some opening remarks for me, I think, let me get into some observations from the Dallas Card Show. People were in a selling positions and price, prices were aggressive. People were, and I, I got to tell you, like I was not there on the Saturday of the show. 
I, I was gone. I, I had to get back to Indy responsibilities, but I was, so I was there on Friday. On Friday, the price of cards were very aggressive. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have a conversation and do what I just recommended and, and suggested and try to get the price down to a negotiable um, negotiable uh, place. Like, that's that's what happened to me, and I'll talk about my card a little bit. But there, there were the, – from every, every card that I was taking that next step to potentially go down the road of pursuing, I'd ask the question about, like I've got cash here for you, but I also have these cards. Like, are you interested in doing a, ca- a cash cards deal? And uh, um, I think that almost everybody I talked to, they, while I did have good cards and they did say I like these cards, people were looking for cash. And I think um, that just goes to show, like a lot of people are are, are deeply invested in a bunch of cards right now. People are looking for some cash. So that was one big thing. I think another big thing is, you know, I I said this at the show, but I was just astounded by the amount of Justin Herbert that was there, which, you know, it's not a big shocker, right? Like this is a quarterback who had a unbelievable rookie year. We're going in football. Football is hot. It's, it's get just getting started and everyone's selling Herbert, like nice Herbert prism stuff. Uh, contender stuff i saw so much herbert which goes to show tell me it's like do these people who have herbert not have the confidence and they're trying to unload them before the season starts i don't know but that was one big thing it just seemed like every case i was walking through who had football had multiple justin herbert pieces i put something on my story and i got about herbert and I had several people tell me like he's the most overpriced person in the hobby right now. He's expensive. <laughs> he is expensive and I think he is a hell of a player. I think, you know, the the Chargers are in a tough division, right? And in order to justify some of these prices, he's going to have to, you know, make some headway, take that team to the playoffs. Um so that was it. A lot of Justin Herbert. I think what I collect I didn't really see much Manning. I I really didn't see much Manning. Like I was on the hunt. Maybe they were gone before I got there, but no, nothing from a Peyton Manning perspective that really interested me, which I found interesting. And I think like most of those pieces are in the, are in collections. And um, it's just gives, while I didn't find anything out there, it gives me confidence that, you know, the, that stuff, a lot of it, that I want isn't available, which excites me more about just the hunt and the pursuit. Um, but so that was a big takeaway. I think there was a lot of modern football stuff. And I've heard people say like right now, like literally some content creators have said like, we should, st- you should start looking at football now because the playoffs are happening. It's like, dude, you should have been looking at football at the beginning of the year because it's been ramping up the whole time. So it just blows my mind. The amount of people that just, share uneducated uninformed opinions it's like football's been here like it has been here if you've been following football this entire year telling people to go out and buy them right now is really shitty advice and i'm not telling you not don't go buy football i just bought football i'm still buying football but to leave the impression that football cards you should go buy them now because people are focused on basketball bogus 
Don't like bogus stuff. A lot of modern football, though. A lot of modern football stuff in cases. The best cards I saw were hanging out in the lobby, you know, meeting people. Dude, I saw, like, I can't even, like, begin to talk about, like, PMG Greens, Jambalayas, Molten Metals. Like, I saw <laughs> the best cards, especially on the basketball side. Jordan and Kobe stuff. You know, I don't collect that stuff, but I have an admiration and appreciation for it. I saw, I got to hold these cards, and it blew my mind. The junk slabs looked lonely out there. It looked lonely. You could, you, like, you could see the frowny face on the vendors whose case was just junk slabs. Can't imagine they were getting much traction. Not a ton of wrestling cards. Not a ton. There were some. Saw uh, a Cena Royal Rumble PSA 9. I have that card. Talked to a guy who was selling it. We talked about wrestling for a little bit. Just not as much as I thought. I had great conversation. I had great conversation. So many good conversations. Camera crews. Okay. So I know this has been a meme. And Lameem already memed it. Which shout out Lameem for the swift action. But the camera crews, bro. Now. I'm never going to like, I'm a content guy. It's what I do for a living. I appreciate the hustle. But the, the camera crews and the desire to be fa- hobby famous was just at an all-time high at this thing. I mean, like, let's do it for the gram. Let's do it for the camera. Like, it was just, it's, it sh- I think it helped, like, it was seeing the separation of hobby segments in real time. Hardcore collectors, people that were like making deals and then people running around with cameras trying to be someone that they're not. So that was an observation. Okay. A lot of camera crews, a lot of people just, you know, thinking they're, they're the best, but you know, the people that I'm seeing do this are the same people that aren't building their audiences organically. Okay. That's funny, right? I'm going to go go to the Dallas show. I'm going to be followed by a camera. And then you go look at their stuff. And it's just like, these are just bots. These aren't real people following you. Like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm saying it because it's true. Like, it's true shit right now, which is crazy. Like, so that, that stuff, not for me, right? Like, get out of here. Like, get out of my face. Get your camera somewhere else. If you're someone that has, and built an authentic audience in your film and stuff like that is 100% like on the other side of this, you know, like one of my favorite content creators in the hobby is, and I've talked about him is Ryan card collector Two. got a brief second to say what's up to him. There it was chaos, but like, you know, there he's filming stuff, but like the dude has built it from the ground floor. He's built his audience from the ground floor. So in my opinion, Ryan card collector Two. The guy can he's a hustler. He's, he's make, making a business out of this. Like, he's the one who deserves to be filming stuff, get his stuff filmed. And it's it's authentic content, and it's awesome, and I lo- it's really good. But then there's the other side of people who have not put in the work that a Ryan Card Collector 2 has, and then they're out there gallivanting, trying to be someone they're not. That's an observation. Tons of energy. Tons of energy. And... Maybe it's a good time. I, I, I will say it. I guess it's a good time. I can talk about my card buy. Okay. So I, I literally thought that 
I was going to walk out of Dallas without a card, without anything, which was totally cool. Like I was getting ready to do that. Like I still had my cards, which I brought my cards because I didn't bring all of them, but I brought cards that I potentially could put in a deal just in case there was something there that I had to have. Did not, did not end up using those cards. And I was getting on the near end of Friday night when I walked by a vendor. I looked at the vendor's case, and I had stopped by his table one time briefly, but realized quickly, all right, this guy's got the type of cards that I like. He's got a lot of football, scarce, rare, shiny, just good shit. I'm like, all right, so we're, I'm walking the floor with Josh, Cardboard Chronicles, more on, more on card ladder team here in a bit. Um, but I'm walking the floor with Josh and I saw this table and I go, Hey Josh, this guy has good stuff. I was here before. So I start looking at his case and immediately I didn't see it the first time. I don't know if it was there, but the Kyler Kaboom BGS 9.5 just stood out to me and i think i looked leaned over to josh and i said look at the kyler kaboom and josh was like you should get it and so before before that like josh was checking his phone on last comps one had sold that day literally that day and he goes dude like it had sold for four hundred dollars more than the car was listed in the case so i i i i had talked to the the vendor and i said hey are you willing to uh, are you willing to go at I think the price I think I think I said are you willing to go 1680 on this Kyler Murray I've got cash and he shot back at me and he said hey I know one just sold today for $2400 and so I respected that I was like this guy knows his stuff he's on his game and I said okay like could you do 1900 and I'll give you cash and we can do the rest on PayPal. And he goes, deal. And I was like, that's what I'm talking about. So there was a sentiment and narrative that everything went above comps at the show. Like I bought a card below comps, cash deal. It's like a few hundred dollars on PayPal. Kyler Murray was mine. Now, I bought this card because I have a deep appreciation of Kyler Murray. I talked last week about the lanes that I want to collect and operate in. I think there were seven of them. Kyler Murray was a part of that. So as a part of my general process, I had to sell my PSA 10 Kyler Murray Prism to fund the purchase of my Marvin PMG. And then I turned it around and replaced my PSA 10 Kyler Murray Silver Prism with a BGS 9.5 Kyler Murray, kaboom, pop, 10, none higher. That's a good, that's, that's good operating based on how I like to move. And I'm really happy with it. I'm really happy to have that card. I think kaboom has a great cult following. I think uh, those, that card is money in hand. I never had uh, a kaboom in hand until that. And it was like, I grabbed the card, the deal worked out. And I was like, this is mine. So I'm really pleased with that. I think, again, it's case by case, dealer by dealer. No general like they're going below, they're going or they're going above comps. This and that, like a lot of different. If you pulled everyone at the Dallas show about their buys, what they got them for, you're going to hear different answers across the board. So as a hobby, we need to stop speaking in generalities. 
Now, my experience in Dallas, I got a shout out. First and foremost, I got a shout out the card ladder team, Chris, Christina, and Josh. They were staying in my hotel, which we weren't staying at the same hotel as the show. So we were we were hanging out the whole time. It was awesome. Like I got a chance to meet. I, I, I interact with them more than most people in the hobby, but getting the chance to sit down for dinners, get the chance to hang out, be at the show, hang with them. Like they're as real as I thought they were, right? That's why I'm fans of them. And I just had a blast meeting them and getting in the weeds and understanding why they're, they do what they do and why they're so committed to the hobby. And there's just such a deep appreciation for sports cards with that crew. I got to tell you, there was something that I wasn't <laughs> expecting and I ripped hobby boxes with Josh. And I know anybody who's followed Cardboard Chronicles, I think the, he's, he's the last person I thought I'd ever rip hobby boxes with. But there was a, a vendor at the show who had a bunch of old wax. Guy had, we looked at the 2006 um, Bowman Chrome hobby box. We bought two hobby boxes for 320 bucks. Two hobby boxes, let me repeat that, for 320 bucks. And we bought them. Yes, we're at a show. We're going to rip. It's fun. But, you know, there's chance to get vet parallels in, in that box, right? A Brady and stuff. So, like, to me, it was a no-brainer. It's like, I get to hang out, rip wax with uh, a hobby friend. We can, ch- it'll be fun. And that's what we did. So, I'm going to tell you, like, in my box, I definitely got the better box. <laughs> I definitely got the better box. First card, first pack, I pulled, believe this, out of 150, blue color match, Reggie Wayne refractor. I pulled a Reggie Bush and Vernon Davis rookie. I pulled a Ladanian Tomlinson and Larry Fitzgerald refractor. And I pulled Bass Manning, Breeze, and Tom Brady. And my encase card was a Kelly Jennings out of 519 refractor. Remember Kelly, Je- Kelly Jennings on the Seahawks? I actually looked him up on Wikipedia. He played several years there. Josh, not so much luck, but we had fun and we just ripped that. And I think um, those dinners, the conversations, you know, we, Carvin was in the hotel room. We were talking stories. I just can't recommend shows enough. Like, I just can't. Such a fun experience. And, like, I'll tell you this just from Chris. Chris looking at cards and looking through people's cards in cases like, I don't think I've ever met anyone with a deeper appreciation for sports cards than Chris. So I think that just like, I'm here to promote those people behind Card Ladder because I just spent a weekend with them and they're amazing. Like support those people, like go support them. But anyways, good friends, so many good people. I wish I could shout out everyone. There was so many people. Let's get to your questions and let's round this thing out. Rapid fire here from Bear Down Boiler Up. If you could change one thing about the show, what would it be and why? <sighs> you know, man, this is a this is a good one. I think for for me, it would be man, this is tough. I think the the number one thing that I would change about the show would be probably it's such a madhouse. And it's so busy and there's so many people and it gets confusing because there's so many people on where everyone is. I just wish like there was a better 
system at a show that big to identify identify the placement at of vendors in their tables like it's something like and maybe this was on me maybe i should just have snapped the picture real quick but like one thing that would happen to me is like i would see something that was on my like watch list and then i could i wouldn't recall where their their booth was just because it was chaos so like maybe like some better way of uh and maybe like there was something and i just didn't realize it but just a better way to indicate where specific vendors are in place because i got lost and i might have bought in a couple more cards uh if i if i would have known where those people were that i originally talked with cardboard underground did you find people in attendance were more reluctant to drop cash and prefer trading i think it sounds like i can only speak to my personal experience it sounded like from a vendor's perspective, vendors wanted cash. They weren't as interested in trading. That's from my experience. And I talked just talked about that. I didn't necessarily see a ton of cash deals from my experience. But I think like people who were selling were looking for cash because they had a lot of money in current inventory. And I don't know if it was uncertainty with the market or what, but people were looking people who were selling cards and set up, they wanted cash. Cardboard we love. What does dealer reluctance to buy this week and tell you about this market? You know, again, that's like general. I don't know if every, I can't. I don't know if every dealer was reluctant to buy, but I think dealers who were reluctant to buy were probably ones that were already capped out and had their money in existing inventory and might have been a little overextended. My observation, just pure speculation. All all sports cards won. How did the bag of cash and box of cards go? Spent the cash, got to Kyler, still have my cards. Zan Morning, what's the wrestling situation looking like down there in the old world-class territory? Not a ton of wrestling cards, I got to tell you. I Let's see here if I can recap. I talked about that Cena. I did see it at 82. Uh, Hogan, I think uh, it was a 6,500. I can't remember. It was a PSA 8, maybe. I can't remember. There wasn't a ton. I wasn't expecting a lot, but hopefully next time the Dallas show happens, me and some other people will get a lot of energy around, you know, sports cars. I think you need like F1, a lot of buzz on F1, new product out, people thinking that they there's still opportunity to collect and make money on that product, which I think I saw a lot of excitement, less about wrestling. Booze cards, any trends of buyers at the show avoiding 9.5? I bought a nine five. I didn't see any of that, um, especially like we're in you know Bal- Beckett Dallas territory. Um, I did not notice any reluctance on nine fives. Capital City collector's favorite pickup, only pickup. Kyler Kaboom rookie. Um, fourth four cards. How are ultra modern PSA tens of players like Zion, Ja, and Trey doing? You know, I-, I saw those cards and they were all stacked up in people's cases, and there was just stacks of those base cards in tens and that I just saw stacks. I didn't see anyone buying them. I just saw stacks in people's cases. So to me, that was a signal that, you know, not a ton of interest. Let's see here. We got trading card, our trading card finds biggest takeaway, biggest takeaway I think was that when you have a, a convention center is packed to the gills with people Buying, selling, trading sports cards, the hobby is in a damn good place. That's my biggest takeaway. Netting cards, what was the raw to slab ratio? More slabs probably, but a lot of both. A lot of both. Hawaii action figure guy. 
will you be wearing a cow- no i was not wearing a cowboy hat i i leave the cowboy hat for good old jr heartland hustle did you experience did the experience become overwhelming i was a little overwhelmed when i first got there i'm not gonna lie there's so much going on people again like tons of people i haven't been around that many people in a year it was a little overwhelming i i, I left after like the first lap i i just went outside for a bit and just like got a water collected myself it's a lot it is a grind it is a long freaking day like i was exhausted so i think that's just a tip for anyone and you're at a show just get some me time like i got some me time but i was ready to go curly wrestling cards wrestling card interest like i said not much this luke smith pickups wish i didn't wish i would have grabbed i did have i did not have any reluctance on cards that i wish i would have grabbed um, there are two cards that I spoke to the vendors and they didn't want to do the deal there because their price was too high, but told them I'd be a buyer at a certain price. So we'll see if those come back, but no regrets. Drake's PC overall sentiment about what's next, more doom and gloom or big rebound to me, back to the, my biggest takeaway, tons of excitement, tons of energy. The hobby's in a good place. Don't get stuck on the mainstream headlines. Blemish Gems, how often do people enter deals for the sake of making plays at the show? It happens. <laughs> like People are doing it for the camera, which is sad, but it happens. I did see that. Um, Brian15, what is hot? What is not? Junk Slabs, definitely not hot. What is hot? I mean, the amount of Jordan and Kobe I saw was, there was a lot. I saw a lot of interest there, and I think that's always going to be hot. A lot of LeBron. A lot of LeBron. A um, lot of good cards. But, yeah, thank you all for those questions. Just an incredible freaking time. I can't wait. I'll be at the National. If you're going to the National, let's say what's up. Um, and just my feedback just in general was, like, to everyone. One, I'm so happy I went to the show. It was worth all the time, energy, and money spent, mostly because I got the chance to interact meet with people all throughout our hobby, especially the card ladder team spent so much quality time with them and appreciate that. I learned a ton. So excited, such a positive experience. So get out and get to a show when you feel good and you feel comfortable because there is nothing better than meeting people face to face and building those relationships. I have a big show on Friday bringing in Dr. Jim Beckett to the Hobby Hustle. He was at the Dallas show. He organized the dinner. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it. I had to be back home, but we're bringing him on. We're talking about Dallas. We're talking about the hobby. He is a true goat and legend of our industry, so bringing that conversation to you live this week. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button. Leave me a review. Tell me how I'm doing. Stacking slabs, I'm here, I'm dedicated, and for everyone who is out there at the Dallas show who I met, I appreciate you, and I appreciate your support. Take care of yourself, take care of others around you, and I will be back on Friday with Dr. Jim Beckett. Let's go. Let's go.